Hello and welcome to episode 26 of series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. Welcome to this penultimate episode of Series 4 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. Only this show and another one on the 19th of December to come out, and that is an interview with Helen Neal from HN Communications, who is going to be telling us all about sustainability and engagement in the workplace. And then we're into Series 5, beginning on the 2nd of January. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more what we've got coming up in our next series in in the next episode on the uh the final episode of the year i'll give you some more insights into what we've got coming up in series five but we've got some very very diverse topics to cover with you we have a retired spy who's going to be telling us all about communication lessons from working in espionage we have a someone who's going to be telling us all about workplace culture we have a really interesting conversation with someone who is going to be telling us all about how you can lead an internal comms team when there is just one of you or you have a relatively small team, which I think is a, something that many of you will find interesting. We have some ideas for you if you're the pay gap and dealing with pay disparity in your organization, how you communicate that. We're going to be covering that. And we're also going to be looking at retention and turnover within your organization, how communication feeds into the whole challenge of retaining uh, a great uh, talent within our organizations as well so we've got some really really diverse topics already lined up for you in series five in 2024 if you're interested in being on the show if you'd like to be an interviewee on the show drop us a line at info at the big tell us a little bit about what you'd like to talk about um, we do have a questionnaire that we send out to our prospective guests just to find out a little bit more about their motivations for being on the show and uh, what, what, what they're going to be able to share with our audience as well. So if you're interested in being a guest, please drop us a line at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. And we're looking to book guests for uh, from the spring onwards. So from, from, from end of March onwards, we already have many interviews already recorded. But if you're interested in being in the show and you're prepared to wait, then get in touch with us. So that's all I'm going to cover off. Uh, I'll let you get straight into this episode's interview. A key factor for employee engagers and internal communicators is understanding employee motivation and what actually motivates our employees. There's still a reliance on external motivation or extrinsic motivation in many organisations with bonus and salary and promotions things that we we provide to our employees but much less of a focus on intrinsic motivation what is it that people actually want from their work so that's what we're going to be exploring in this episode what is intrinsic motivation and is there a way that we can actually measure it so we can understand what we can do as individual managers or in our organizations to better motivate our employees intrinsically and as we'll find out that intrinsic motivation is far more powerful particularly in our modern knowledge economy than extrinsic motivation in terms of determining how people will behave and perform. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're looking at intrinsic motivation. We're also going to understand that once we have an understanding of intrinsic motivation, how can we use that to have more productive relationships with our employees? And that can then shape our, our internal communications or our engagement strategies as well. We're also going to take a little look at the world of AI and how uh, 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 
artificial intelligence, AI, is affecting the way that we measure and influence our employees and some of the potential within that, but also some of the watchouts uh, that that brings with it. So I hope you find this an interesting interview as we take a deeper dive into understanding employee motivation. My guest today is Casey Weil. Casey is Chief Executive Officer at Attuned. Attuned helps companies to build happier and more productive workplaces through science-backed data and AI, uncovering deep and actionable insights on what their employees need to be more engaged and fulfilled in their work. So hello, Casey. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, good morning to me. Good evening to you. Um, just, just for our listeners' benefit, uh, where, whereabouts in the world are you? Uh, you're finding me in Tokyo, and it's actually a nice blue sky day and uh, not too warm. So we just had a, a typhoon kind of go through over the weekend. So it's it's clear skies. It's pretty nice right now. Wow, excellent. And it's a first for me on the podcast. I think you're the first person I've interviewed people from all over the world, but the first for, for Japan. So uh, yeah, it's fantastic to, uh, to to finally get an interviewee in Japan. <laughs> and uh, you're clearly, well, you're not, not that you're not clearly, you're, you aren't Japanese. Where, tell us a little bit about how you found yourself in, uh, in, in Tokyo, Casey, please. And where were you originally uh, hail from? Yeah, we're reaching back a little bit. So I've been here over 23 years now, so quite a long time. So uh, you can only hear the voice, but uh, I'm a little bit Japanese on the inside. So I, I'm still American by passport and by nationality, uh, originally from the U.S., upstate New York. But I grew up in Saudi Arabia for many years, uh, high school, Boston College, Texas. And then pretty much after getting my degree, I came over to Japan for an adventure. Uh, I wanted to be a cool international businessman and the image of Japan and kind of the mystique and the romance of it uh, attracted me. And then uh, I made it over that two year hump and I've been here ever since. Fantastic. Um, uh, that's brilliant. And, and so what are you, what are you doing? I, like, I gave a little bit of an insight there into a tune. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, but maybe what led you to, to what you're doing now? What, what's, tell us a little bit about your, your career background, please, Casey. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with what we're doing with Attune. So it's uh, intrinsic motivation software, so software as a service. So it's a SaaS business where we're doing a tech startup uh, out of here in Japan. And we're just about to release our, our second product, which is psychological safety. So basically, what we're doing is taking deep psychology and we're making visible all of that psychological data uh, that sits around us and between us uh, that we can't see. And we're trying to make it visible, first of all, and measurable. And then so people can take an action in that. There's not really that much intrinsic motivation software around, so we're trying to create a new category. Uh, we're doing pretty well here in Japan. We have customers all over the world, but uh, yeah, you know, with the time differences and everything else like that, uh, it's here at Japan's our home base, but uh, expanding steadily. And how I came to it, it was kind of a, a windy path, but uh, originally I was in a recruitment agency and uh, in recruitment for quite a long time, executive recruitment, and I absolutely loved it. Uh, but kind of connecting it to my intrinsic motivations, one of my uh, deeper intrinsic motivations is rationality. So kind of something I need to have at work. And for me, it manifests itself in a, a need to say, why, why, why? And mm. working many years as a recruiter, the difference between somebody really kind of fitting and sticking and thriving at a job was that motivation component. And I've done thousands and thousands of interviews and I could never understand anybody's really deep motivations for work. You know, doing interviews with them, maybe their self-awareness isn't that high, maybe they're gaming the interview, maybe they're using language that triggered me type of situation. But, um, 
you know, whether it was hiring for myself, lots of recruitment consultants over the years, or placing people into companies, it was that particularly that fit, does the motivation fit with the manager and the manager of that new hiring company? Uh, really understand the person coming in. And, you know, personally, I had experienced it many times, like the pain of it, where I'd be doing one-on-ones with a new hire. And, you know, the first month I'd be all energetic and excited to to do the one-on-ones and, you know, he or she would be excited. But by the third month, we're kind of getting into this groundhog day where we, you know, it's becoming uh, a scripted dance where both of us know, like we're going into this one-on-one, I'm going to do my best to motivate this person. This person's going to nod and smile and be polite, but their behavior is not going to change. Their KPIs aren't going to change. They're going to keep doing the same level of work. And uh, it just got extremely frustrating. And all of this led to the desire to really measure intrinsic motivation. And intrinsic motivation is not connected to personality. Uh, So personality tests don't show this. So, you know, off-the-shelf solutions that existed. So I had to kind of create it. And then it was three years of research and a lot of statistical analysis. And finally, we did it. Fantastic. So uh, I thought that's great. Thank you, Case. That's a really good, uh, a really good summary. Um, 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 and I guess we've taught you, you've already started to use the term intrinsic motivation. And, and I think it's really important to, to maybe just just before we, we go into it any more detail, just to just to just define the difference between and I remember this back from my MBA days. I remember one of the we, we did some stuff around around this. So I remember, you know, I, again, I, I, and it'd be useful for me to probably you, you to re, kind of recap for my benefit, the difference between ex, ex, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation and, and how organizations typically, um, you know, kind of treat the two or don't treat the two uh, uh, you, you know they like you say i think you've implied there that the extrinsic motivation tends to be the primary tool or the primary vehicle that many organizations use so maybe you can just put a few definitions around that casey just before we get into the detail yeah for sure so extrinsic is basically from the outside and intrinsic is from the inside um the depth of differences extrinsic motivation really only lasts for a short period of time uh, this is typically like incentives or bonuses or kind of some goals or or something we can have like a team party if we do really great uh, on our you know deliverables this week or we deliver this project. And a lot of extensive research, there's hundreds of papers, is extrinsic motivation is good for repeatable, simple tasks. So let's say you're, I don't know, doing something ridiculously mind-numbing like lining up pens to make pens are very straight. And how many can you do in an hour? And the more pens you can line up perfectly straight in an hour, you're going to get a little bit more money as an incentive. In that type of situation, having extrinsic motivation where you get paid more for doing a repeatable task that's simplistic uh, works. But if you try to do something like what our normal work life is, is, okay, you have to work with a lot of different people. You have to communicate. There's many different stakeholders. You have to be creative. All kinds of challenges come. Extrinsic motivation doesn't work. So that's where intrinsic motivation is very important. This goes from the inside. And everybody has intrinsic motivation. It sits there inside of them. And many people that probably listen to this podcast or you know, many people out there think, oh, I not that intrinsically motivated, but everybody is, it's just not being released. So Mm -hmm. if you have a manager who can understand your intrinsic motivation or an environment that allows that intrinsic motivation to come out, then you're going to have more energy. You're going to be able to overcome more difficult problems. Uh, In many ways, you can be more creative. Uh, You can kind of be psychologically safe and you're just going to have more energy and, you know, less burnout from that side. So uh, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, 
unfortunately, I think most managers still today, or at least in my generation, manage from extrinsic motivation. That's what we're taught, you know, carrot and the stick. Okay. If somebody's out of line, give them a little bit of a stick. Here's a carrot to try to get that there. And it just doesn't work. And I know as like a sales leader for a decade or so, I'd always try to craft the most perfect, you know, uh, incentive for the team to hit the goal. And I'd think about it and think about it. And okay, what does this individual get excited about? And it never worked, you know, it never really got that much more performance. Uh, so as soon as I could kind of shift my mind to like, okay, let me understand what this person individually needs. And really the key is everybody's unique because intrinsic motivation is really our lived experiences up until that moment in time. And then what we're really kind of measuring with a tune is somebody's value hierarchy, which connects to uh, their intrinsic motivation. And the hard part is understanding somebody not like yourself. Mm. Uh, and that's the really hard part. Uh, mm. But that's what we do. Yeah, no, that, that again, that's great. And, you know, and I guess, um, you know, in a nutshell, and so, so extrinsic motivation is, is, is what, what you're given externally. It's all like you said about bonuses, rewards, that sort of thing. And then the intrinsic is what, what drives us from within. And I, and I guess, you know, I mean, again, without turning this into an MBA class, I, I mean, a lot of, a lot of what I I see in organizations, and I'd be interested to know if you see the same, is a lot of that that kind of misdirected focus, like, you know, kind of overly emphasizing extrinsic motivation comes from, you know, the kind of production line mentality or the production line, uh, you know, kind of way of managing people, which again links to what you were saying around it. it, it extrinsic works very well in a kind of highly regulated, very standardized, very routine type of environment but now we're working in a knowledge economy that is not a a, a, a kind of a, an appropriate way and that's why we really need to focus on intrinsic motivation yeah yeah you're absolutely right so unfortunately like so many organizations still manage out of like a Tayloristic system. So yeah. like Tayloristic yeah. management where, okay, how can we get more widgets out in an hour? How can we get more cars done? And this goes back to like the 1920s and 10s and that yeah. factory type of mile. But uh, what you're talking about right now is organizations, what they face is how can we be resilient? How can we be agile? How can we shift to digital? Um, and it's really kind of big cultural shifts and living in this VUCA world where things are uncertain and uh, you have to change pretty quickly um yeah. and it doesn't work if you're managing like that yeah absolutely okay so that takes us on to the next challenge then and casey which you're you're obviously <laughs> well qualified to answer which is how do you measure it because that is something quite you know quite visceral and to a large extent or it would appear to me you know when i think about what what my intrinsic motivations are it's quite you know kind of it's emotional it's a lot of things wrapped up in that and trying to rationalize that can sometimes be quite tricky so so where, where do we start with that how do we measure intrinsic motivation um, it's hard to measure by yourself. So it took us a long time to create this. So it, it took like three years and uh, a lot of research, initial kind of assessments that were very long. Where we're at right now, it only takes 10 to 15 minutes. We have it in multiple languages. So 10 to 15 minutes, you get your own intrinsic motivator report. Uh, our team of psychologists identified uh, 11 different intrinsic motivators. And it's kind of categorized, you know, by a percentage about how much you need this. And also, is it need to have for you? Does you have to have that from your environment? like your manager or your workspace to be motivated or if it's like neutral which also might be kind of a, a little bit demotivating uh to to do that um but what we're really measuring is that value hierarchy so the link is okay what you value most if you're forced to really choose something what would you choose um and that's kind of the the basic algorithm so there's 
thousands and thousands of data points behind the construction of this uh, okay. to, to get that. And basically, it's a one in a million chance uh, that people have a similar uh, motivator profile uh, right. to do this. And this is why it's really hard for kind of our evolutionary psychology to keep up with it and shift to understand somebody not like ourselves. But um, right now, 10 to 15 minutes, it used to take like three and a half to four hours in the initial version. So we could get enough mm. questions, had to have a thousand people take it initially. So we could get that down to two questions. I mean, two hours, and then we got it down to this. So uh, it was a total pain in the ass to create, like really, really <laughs> painful um, yeah. to do it. So, yeah. So, so I, I know you said there were eleven different criteria there, and I mean, eleven is a long list to go through on a podcast. But, but we, could you? Are you, I mean, are you happy to share what some of those are, and maybe just give us a flavour for maybe one or two, just to sort of, you know, get a sense of so people can relate to what that those those things in that hierarchy might be. Yeah, absolutely. And I can maybe speak towards my own intrinsic motivation. So my top intrinsic mm. motivation is uh, autonomy. You know, so okay. the basically the need to decide for myself. Uh, I don't like being told twice. And this is probably part of the reason I became an entrepreneur. Uh, on mm. the opposite side, at the very bottom is feedback. And, and this is kind of the tricky part, like uh, when interacting with trick, uh, intrinsic motivation. So it's not a behavior. It's not like a personality. So for me, feedback doesn't link to my motivation. Um, but it doesn't mean I don't accept feedback or, you know, I, I push against it to a certain degree. Uh, security is also very low for me. So the need to understand boundaries or rules or very defined processes. Some people really want clarity about, okay, what is my responsibility for me? I'm totally fine with, you know, things being quite vague. Uh, my mm -hmm. second top one, so to go back up to the, the top of what's most important for me is altruism. Um, so this one's kind of interesting is, uh, your intrinsic motivations basically shift very quietly uh, on a yearly basis. So if we look back four years ago when we were start just starting to launch a, a tune, altruism was kind of low for me. Um, but over the years, it kind of went up a little bit, and we're learning the intrinsic motivations from our environment. And it's also kind of big emotional life events that sets what is important mm. for me. So uh, a year and a half ago, we had like a, a special needs baby that was – uh, born and uh, wasn't sure that, that the baby was going to survive type of thing like mm. that, but got lots of support from many, many people. Um, and that really shifted altruism higher for me. So it's kind of a, a real like milestone where you can see what became most important for me shifted by my own life experiences. And now that's why it's kind of important to stay in touch with these and take a look every year just to see, okay, uh, where am I at for your own self-awareness or if you're looking at it with a team to really have the updated GPS about, okay, what is most important for this person? So, mm. you know, if you're still managing the Casey's motivation you saw three years ago, it's going to be a bit out of date. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's contextual. It, it does change. And a lot of it will be based on, you know, maybe, maybe immediate situation and circumstances and, and events or, you know, or recent, recent events anyway. So, okay. okay so that, yeah, that's, the big yeah. events. So it's, it's slowly. So like, you know, if yeah. you had a bad day and somebody yelled at you on the train or something like that, that's not really, gonna it's not going to show up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like kind of a glacial, but it's still moving sort of uh, thing. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the yeah. hardest thing for us humans to understand is slow moving changes right fast yes. changes we can see yeah so yeah 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 you're definitely right there so yeah um 
Um, and and so um, I mean, I'm, I'm again, eleven is a long list to go through. I don't want to go through the full list. If if people listening want to have a look at, I, I know we're going to put. A, I'll talk about it later on. We're going to put a link into to attuned on the, on the uh, on the show notes. That is there a list of those different motivators errors, or is there a white paper that you've got on that? Just in case people want to kind of you know just do a little bit more, a uh, bit more deep deeper diving into that. Uh, yeah, we've got a bunch of white papers. So we have intrinsic motivation white paper. We have psychological safety white paper. All, mm. all the motivations are listed just at the top of our website at attune.ai. And you okay. know, if anybody listening, if they want to get in touch with me at kc.wall at attune.ai, I'm happy to give kind of a, a free report if they reference your podcast. Okay, great. Oh, no, that's fantastic. Thank you. That's a great offer, Casey. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get those links off you after we finish recording. And I'll pop them into the show notes. I've got your LinkedIn profile and your website, which I was going to put on there. But any extra links, I'll, I'll pop those on as well. So that, that's fantastic. Um, so, so just going back to back to our uh, measurement of intrinsic motivation, then, and and, and you've given us a good flavour for that. Um, what what then? What next? So, how if I if I'm working in an organisation and we we've kind of got that grip on intrinsic motivation and and if i understand correctly then so that would be in, on an individual by individual basis would would you would you get like a profile for your team or would it be is that too simplistic and too reductionist to do that or w- would you recommend that yeah, all fantastic questions. So like uh, intrinsic motivation. So what we can do is we can do it at scale. So every individual has their own unique intrinsic motivations. Even if you're working on a team, like with similar job, like the culture is there, uh, like mm-hmm. it might feel like a similar culture or people have similar personalities. Actually, what motivates them tends to be quite different. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't in the question, but I find this fascinating is this isn't totally scientifically correct, but this is what we've seen in qualitative data working with our customers is teams that have relatively similar intrinsic motivations, meaning there's not a huge variation with people on opposite ends of the spectrum of one particular motivator, if it's relatively similar, those teams seem to perform better. And I guess it would be is because there's less conflict, there's deeper understanding, they mm. make decisions in, in kind of the same way. So going mm. to how do you use this? Um, it's really kind of what you're trying to change within your organization. What, what are you trying to fix? So the outcome for us is if you can understand and communicate a little bit better about somebody that is different than you, um, it tends to work quite well with somebody that, okay, you have meetings with or catch-ups with, or that it doesn't feel like you're always getting through. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like it, but sometimes it, you know, like, why didn't that go well? You know, I tried my best. I was really kind. I thought I explained perfectly, but for whatever reason, you don't get kind of that uh, recognition or understanding outcome. And that's where it tends to work very well. So within one-on-one type of situations, uh, but the outcomes will be higher trust uh, and then ultimately psychological safety. And then the business outcomes later can be higher performance, better in, you know, uh, innovation, more agility if you have higher psychological safety. So intrinsic motivation to start, so you get more inclusion because you're understanding somebody not like yourself or as before you might act react kind of emotionally or get frustrated with the way people are looking at the world very different than yourself. But, uh, you know, with this, then you can understand, build that trust, get the psychological safety to the business outcome. So usually people are trying to change something about their culture is what it is. Either there's yeah, a lot of people yeah. leaving, they're hiring pretty badly. Uh, it can be used at different points in uh, the employee life cycle. Yeah. Oh no, that's good. That's in- and and it's interesting what you were saying there about about the fact that teams that are more homogeneous in, in terms of their intrinsic motivations tend to be 
you know, the more successful. And obviously, we, we you know, kind of organizations quite rightly have a very big focus on on diversity and inclusion and neurodiversity. So it, it's interesting because often, you know, we're, we, we, we're, I guess the, the 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 way we we tend to think about this now is that you know if we if we're all we all kind of see the world in the same way and we've all got the same kind of lens as it were we, we were in risk of kind of groupthink and kind of you know kind of missing out on those opportunities but what your research there is saying and i know it's not anti-diverse but what you're saying is that, that actually in this case that the, there's a benefit if we're actually we do share those intrinsic motivators is that is that is that fair to say yeah, exactly. I think we're just like our data is a lens in a deeper layer of psychology. So if we're looking at mm. your your values, your intrinsic motivation, which sits below your personality, which sits below your behavior. So, you know, if you want diversity in experience or diversity in thought process or any of those kind of externally visible types of diversity, uh, then that's great. Right. But mm. you can still have it like we have even here on some of our high performing teams, very different backgrounds, like extremely different backgrounds, um, probably different neural diversity it might always be tested uh, mm. if you know what i mean uh, yeah. but intrinsic motivations are relatively aligned and, and the team just goes smooth it can kind of go quickly um, mm. so you know for example a lot of the friction comes is i said before when we were talking about my intrinsic motivations that security needs are, are quite low for me and uh we haven't taken your intrinsic motivations but let's say yours were security needs were really high and mm. if you're managing me and you're being very kind of detailed about the process or you're getting frustrated because I'm skipping steps type of thing like that, and you're really defining the boundaries of what I can do and what I can't do, I'd probably kind of get frustrated. And then you might see my frustrated and you're probably thinking, I'm just doing my best for Casey, trying to help make things clear for him. Yeah. Um, and that's where it comes up, right? You know, And we would probably have some friction and understanding. But if we were more closely aligned with our security needs, whether low, whether high, whether somewhere in the middle then no friction would come there. Yeah. 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 No, I know. Yeah. That, that, that makes, that makes sense. So, so in terms of the toolkit, you've talked a little bit about attuned uh, and again, you know, we just, just, just be interested just i think listeners will be interested in how, how does it work is it, is it like so is it a survey that you fill in you said it takes about 10 15 minutes and then you get a you get a report is that how is it how does that how does it work in the sort of mechanic what's the mechanic behind it to casey Exactly. So it's a, a survey assessment that's delivered to every individual. So you just put in the, the individuals. You can create the teams, like however you want the team hierarchies to be. So whether it's by job or cohort of when people joined mm. uh, type of situation, then you get the individual. Every individual will get the report. Every individual also gets a dashboard. Uh, the tool is primarily made for managers. So the managers would get a dashboard. They get, okay, here are the motivations for our team. It's visualized. Mm -hmm. You can see everybody's individual. Kind of the real key feature that our customers tend to use and find the most value at is a motivator gap feature. So this is where you have those opposite motivations, and that's all quickly visualized. Mm -hmm. uh, then the next step of Attune is we have the communication tips or like the mindfulness tips to change the way you're framing an interaction with somebody with an opposite motivator for you. So those mm. sit within attuned and kind of what we'll be releasing very soon is nudges. So we know the differences uh, between people. So we're going to have uh, connections between calendars and, you know, Slack to begin with. And let's say five minutes before one-on-one -on -one or a catch-up, I can get a notification and say, hey, Casey, this is how Craig's motivated, you know. Uh, why don't you ask him this question? Uh, and the, the system and the algorithm will pick up those differences and probably where I have blind spots uh, is what it will do with those nudges from there. 
And then the next part of the system is for the customers that want to pay attention to if motivation is being satisfied. We have a very personalized uh, engagement kind of survey that can go out as a pulse, whether it's every two weeks or a month or a quarter, as you like. Mm. Um, but what it's doing is only checking the motivations that's most important to every individual. So most engagement pulse surveys ask the same question to everybody, which means the data is great at an organizational level, but at an individual level, there's gaps in it. So if you're asking me, again, I have low feedback needs, intrinsic motivation. Hey, Casey, are you getting feedback from your manager this week? And I say, yeah. And they're like, are you satisfied that way? And I say, yeah, that's actually bad data because yeah. it doesn't have any connection for my own motivation. Yeah. Mm. So we're only asking what's most important to every individual. So it gets a little bit more kind of pinpoint mm. with how people are doing. And that way you can kind of keep a, an eye on, is anybody you know, getting demotivated? And if they are, what it is, and you can make that intervention before. And there's some algorithms in there about predicting turnover as well. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, that sounds really, really sophisticated, really, really good. So, uh, so as I said, we'll put some links into the, to the show notes if people want to have a little bit more of a digger, dig around in that. Just before we close off, uh, Casey, just a, just a final honor, just, you know, just in terms of anyone who's listening into this, one of our guests, um, uh, around, uh, you know, I think he works in employee engagement, uh, um, also in internal communications, that sort of thing. Any final tips from you in terms of employee motivation and understanding employee motivation and really getting uh, their head around this, you know, the concept that we've talked about today, in particular intrinsic motivation, any, any kind of final sort of quick wins, tips, ideas, that sort of thing? Oh, that's a tough question. It's like, just do it and understand that it's there. It's like, uh, I think if probably people that are listening to your podcast like uh, probably are already there but throw away your extrinsic motivation toolkit just just throw that in the trash you know yeah um and just try you, you let's say you don't want to use a software or you don't want to start doing this it's like okay have the conversation what do you think intrinsically motivates you you know yeah your team member uh what do you what do that self-awareness exercise with yourself, you know, give a little bit of time for reflection and have those conversations. So it's really about asking the questions and having the conversation. And that's ultimately the use of our tool as well. Like you get all the insights, but the conversation still has to be had. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. Actually, I said that was the last question. I've got one other question for you. Sorry, Casey. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, you're obviously you, you are, you're massively, you know, your tool uses AI, I believe. And, and, and I know you've been involved with, with, you know, it's kind of a, a pioneer in, in AI and, and I've been using it in your, in your work. I'm just interested. We've had a, this conversation on a few, few of the episodes recently because it, it seems to be very contemporary in the moment. And at the moment, you know, a lot of people are talking about AI and it's, it's opportunities, but also there's a bit of um a bit of fear again it's a very general question but i I'd just be interested to know particularly in this space where you see ai really adding value but also maybe some of the watchouts uh, of ai and and some of the limitations that that people may not be aware of yeah that's a good question i think you know ai is scary at least at this point in time i don't think it needs to be the the way mm. we're looking at it like generative ai has been massive this year you know kind of uh, revolutionary and you know, a lot of tech companies are like, okay, wh what is our AI strategy or what we're going to do uh, with it? And it, it took me a long time to get my head around like, okay, what is really the value for the customer? What is really the value for the user? Uh, you know, if you put in a chat box and uh, some things that will actually be coming out with pretty soon is you'll be able to assign tasks um, to your team in a very specific way. And like the LLM, the AI 
will generate that for you. So mm. let's say, you know, uh, you have to assign me a new task. Maybe it's not a great task or, you know, you, you don't enjoy speaking to me about giving me different jobs and you think I won't like it. If you just write the task into the chat box, it'll write the mail for you. It'll write a little speech for you. Say, okay, you know, frame the task like this. Here's the task mm. uh, and say this to Casey and you can copy and paste and put that in. So, you know, mm. some of those difficulties in communication um, with somebody not like ourselves, like it can help with that generation of it. Mm. And, you know, like another thought that we're thinking of is, okay, after meetings, if somebody wants to like look at a one-on-one and have those recorded, the AI can break down how the meeting went in terms of send a quick report to the manager and say, hey, you know, when you were speaking to Casey, you missed his altruism motivator. You know, you were speaking a lot about, uh, you know, feedback, which doesn't work so much on him. So next time, why don't you ask these three questions? Mm. And you get that feedback loop really quickly after you behavior like on a one-on-one so that can be kind of a a good use for it Mm. uh, as well but i I think what we can look at is it's used in the best way Uh, it could be an extension of our human brain and kind of the capabilities that we have right now so if we look at evolutionary psychology like dunbar's numbers so there's that 150 number about how many people's names and faces we remember but there's a, a smaller one of 15 and these are the 15 people of who we can generally, 15 people on average, understand what makes them tick, how they're going to react, you know, how are they going to work emotionally. And as we're leading and managing our people, we've only got the capacity for 15. And this includes our, our you know, personal lives as well. So if we can use AI to have it deliver the right type of communication or the right type of mindset or framing of how we should approach somebody else uh, and get that timing right and hand us the way to you know, interact with somebody, I think we can take that Dunbar number of 15 on average and extend it to 40 or extend it to 50. So that means Mm -hmm. a lot more people are going to have better experiences with their managers. And as you know, that's why most people quit. So uh, Mm -hmm. I'm quite hopeful. We're we're quite bullish. Uh, It's just exactly finding out what is useful and not just making it a gimmick at this point in time. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's interesting, you know, how you you talk there. And and often I think people see AI, but going back to what we were saying earlier, is, you know, kind of like doing all the grunt work around, you know, kind of breaking down a a, a relatively repetitive task. But I think interesting what you're talking about there is actually using it for quite high – you know emotional intelligence you you're using it you know obviously in in conjunction with your tool but to uh to kind of really help someone who maybe hasn't got that kind of self-awareness about what they're saying and how they've said it to kind of really have some insights into that so it's in that respect i find that fascinating it's a really revolutionary way of of using it i guess so uh yeah yeah exactly like ai is just as good as the data that it's trained on right so we've got some very unique intrinsic motivation data very similar have uh, very unique and insightful psychological safety data and outcomes for teams. And if you train the model on that and, okay, we want to create more psychologically safe teams, mm. we put a whole lot of data in there and we kind of know the sub elements that lead up to psychological safety, then you can use AI to kind of deliver it and craft it to at scale. And, and that's the beauty of it, you know, to help us in those emotionally intelligent ways, which we all struggle with. Right. So, mm. Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Well, that's a really, really, really great insight there into you know how you're using AI. And as I say, it's something that I know I know we've I've talked about on uh, other episodes, and I think it's very contemporary at the minute that people are really genuinely interested, and also you know partly like you say a little bit 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 frightened by it as well because like anything uh, new and revolutionary like this. So um, so yeah, yeah. 
Well, look, Casey, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much. We've already mentioned uh, that we're going to put some links into the show notes, um, and we're going to. I'm going to put your LinkedIn profile. I'm going to put the, the link to your website. But also, after we've hung, hung up, I'll get your, your if you if you as long as you're okay with it, I'll put your email address in there as well, and any other way that people can reach out to you. But also any any other uh, resources that that you've got that that, uh, that people can access and and uh, and and find out more about what you do and and, and more about your ideas. Awesome. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed the chat. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And uh, appreciate, as I say, I know it's uh, back end of your day and I'm just starting out here, but uh, yeah, we found a, <laughs> glad we found a time that would work for both of us where not too antisocial or uh, uh, sociable hours. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Arigato. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Take care. Thank you. See ya. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. If you've got any ideas for episodes you'd like us to cover in future, you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can use the feedback form at engagingic.com. If you're not already subscribed to the show via your podcast platform, please do so. And if you could leave a review for us, that would be absolutely fantastic. We have links to other episodes at engagingic.com. All of our previous episodes are available there. And if you're interested in our visual communication services, our big pictures, our learning maps, our explainer videos, and also our live graphic recording, please get in touch with us again at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Thank you.